Greetings adventurers and welcome to the Mike Flares podcast. And no, this thing on my face is not the third moon of Crin. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Today we're going to talk <laughs> Today we're going to talk about the uh, brand new Unearthed Arcana that came out this week, Heroes of Crin Revisited. But before we do, we got to say hi to our co-host Connor O'Brien. How are we doing today, Connor? I'm not doing too bad, buddy. That I was <laughs> of all the intros, I was not expecting that intro. Um, yes. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I am. Uh, I am deep. Oh, I'm deep in a uh, design space mm, kind of. I, I, I'm trying to, but my my brain is like, hey, but what if you did other things instead? Um, but I'm trying to get a lot of stuff ready for our upcoming D and D arc in our home game. Um, we're back in very cool map. Uh, yeah, I, 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 re, I revisited because I ha we haven't played it in. We're back in Kaelda, which mm -hmm. is my kind of Celtic Viking kind I'm of back uh, hybrid. Back in your character's homeland. And I, we haven't been here since we were level 5 ish or yeah. something like that. And you are now level 13, 14? 13. 13. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's been it's been a while. It's been like at least maybe even a couple of years. Oh, I think we did that pre COVID. No, no, I take it back. We didn't because, and I, I know this. Okay, go on. Because I distinctly, I distinctly remember. Did we? I I, I think we might have been killed uh, pre-COVID, but I have there's a notebook of doom that I can actually do a quick check on. Yeah, I'm trying to think because I'm like, okay, for example, um, immediately after Kaelda, you went back to Rune. Yeah. Uh, the town, and you it was under siege by a bunch of undead and a necromancer, and I distinctly remember that you did that battle over uh, roll twenty. Oh, okay. So, oh, with like that, torch continual flame. <laughs> oh, nice! <laughs> I was back enough, so making physical, physical things. Um, yeah, so I think that was like that. That that battle definitely was, and only just prior to that, you. Uh, yeah, I feel... This notebook. This notebook is my second notebook, um, rather than oh, the okay. first one. So that doesn't have the kale the stuff in it. So e either this was. The Kaelda stuff ended and we just went into COVID then. I think or it but it was on the line because I remember you went to the Ordnock, the, yeah. the giant prison afterwards. I think that and might have been our last Kaelda session pre COVID. No, the Ordnock was definitely digital as well because I drew up two maps that I oh, spent a lot of time on. Like two more time than I really should have realistically for like well, a I, combat. I did encounter. a good job because I felt like I was there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, they were. They, I, I'm proud of how they came out, but I'm like, oh, cool. I probably like well, actually only one of them I used, mm. and the second one then ended up not being a combat because uh, you guys were kind of <laughs> like, oh, these guys look way too tough. Let's try to avoid them because we'll probably die. They're three and massive then, giants. Like, <laughs> we were like level uh, five. Yeah, and then the, you guys kind of like avoided them, and they just fled the prison instead. Mm. Uh, and I didn't get to use that second one at all, and I was like, oh, okay. So level thirteen when they come back. Here's a tip, kids. Don't try. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Trying is the first step to failure. Exactly. I was quite happy with how they came out. But yeah, the, the trick to, if you, if you ever draw on maps, so what I find is the trick to drawing maps is you're better off drawing something that is not too specific. Like if you mm -hmm. draw a tomb and it's, I don't know, for talk's sake, it's a tomb about some sort of dragon emperor, and then but the, the layout of the of the tomb is roughly shaped like that of a dragon head or something. Mm. That's going to be very very specific to to that setting and that one adventure. You're hardly going to go back there multiple times for multiple other things, you know. 
Uh, but if you just draw a generic enough tomb with a sarcophagus at the end of the room, some pillars and maybe a broken part of the wall and stuff like that, it can be generic enough that you can reuse it in other encounters and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Like, like at least at least if something built in, you might be able to crack it out again for like a random encounter and maybe like a, fo- a follow up campaign or something like that. Uh, That's why I find that if you if you are doing stuff, um, having, uh, whether whether it's like three dimensional, um, tabletop miniature stuff like environmental stuff you you craft yourself or mm-hmm. buy or whether it's even just two-dimensional stuff like you can get the little cardstock ones that are like a tree or a cart and you can just pop them down on your board you but you can move them all around and you can reshape them having multiple modular components like that is always really helpful sorry this is not a an in, uh, the environmental episode um this is heroes of crin revisited yes um sorry i went on a bit of spiel <coughs> no it's totally fine um i was actually i was actually going I was going to ask you how how was the week the weekend D and D was for you anyway so totally fine um considering you said you were, we were chatting about um making the uh the maps and stuff and updating everything completely yeah. uh we uh we had a, I I'd say we had a good weekend D and D um yes. you guys had a a a couple of cool combats you fought some giant eels underwater yes um yes. you rescued some people from a town that was under attack by giants you fought a spirit troll um. And then your your character's apprentice just decided to have a go at you yeah. and uh, and and shout at you and uh, yeah uh, there's <laughs> the end of that the end of that session was basically what the hell died <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> oh god dad you're the worst um, yeah, yeah. Uh, which, which I was I was you you enjoyed I think and I was quite I happy did, yeah, about I that did, but yeah. also I completely blindsided you with it <laughs> yeah. because you had you had not spoken to this character no. in in some time which is kind of the the crux of the problem yeah but um but yeah you were I remember you you, <laughs> you were coming up out of the du- the flooded dungeon and you were trying to help him out of the water and he kind of refused your hand <laughs> yeah. and, and moved around you and kind of gave you a little bit of a side yeah. eye and then you went uh and later on then he was kind of avoiding you and, and you were just like oh okay fine let's go do this so yeah and uh i and believe my exact words you... were you me talk now yeah <laughs> uh and then he's like you just don't get me dad <laughs> yeah. I'm, just, I'm trying to be a warrior like you and then you're like oh god uh. <laughs> yeah no we had a good session my my game as well um they successfully defeated donnerstein the the evil um uh, yeah, you sent me a stat block. Stuff. Sorry. Yeah. That, was a, that was a hefty stat block too. Yeah, yeah. Um, everyone in the party except for my rogue went into red on their health bar. That's a. If you ask me, that that's a. I mean, okay. If you're doing generic like uh, combat while you're traveling, or if it's like mm. the first couple of combat encounters in a dungeon or something, whatever. Um, you shouldn't probably be hitting that mark. If you're if you're hitting that on what on the first combat of a day, you're maybe going a little bit hard. Unless it's the only combat in the day and that's the plan. But um if if you're in the big in the fight with the big bad dude and then everyone is just about on that line where things are, are only one bad critical hit away from going really, really bad for you guys, that's the that's the tension. That's the that's the sweet spot. I, right? You wanna try and get that. I really tried to kill my sorcerer, I'm gonna be honest. I really did. <laughs> Uh, like uh, there, she spent the last I'd say twenty minutes of the fight with nine health, mm. and three times I fired at her um with like a long range thing that did like four d twelve piercing damage, yeah um because I it was 
so it was, oh, was it the the bolt thrower yeah the, 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 the ogre uh ogre bolt launcher or something like that i think something like, like that yeah yeah they're but, basically carrying ballistas yeah. as crossbows I, I i said they were rail guns <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, yeah cool. <laughs> but like they basically they have like a really crappy fist attack it's like 2d4 plus 4 and then they have the bolt launcher attack which is 3d10 plus 4 <laughs> i'm kind of the same with giants i like, don't get me wrong regular giants hit pretty hard with their melee weapon mm-hmm. but also like it, I, I, their rock throw attack is stupid powerful and has a really good range yeah it's it's pretty sick but yeah um i brought them all down to including my blood hunter who worked out he took 180 points of damage that fight um uh, down to like red health um and the only reason it wasn't the whole party down in like flashing red health bars was because uh my rogue my rogue has evasion and he eva- oh yeah he evaded uh, he evaded the thunder ram special ability which is like he fires like a, a lightning elemental shape like a ram out of his chest that um like in a line for 60 feet anything in that line gets knocked up and dealt a shitload of um uh, lightning damage so it was I like, feel like uh, I feel like the lightning ram would be uh, the name of a metal band you would listen to. <laughs> well, see that that's hilarious, right? Because so the bad guy's name is Donnerstein. That literally means thunder ram in German. Okay, uh, yeah. Uh, and I that was inspired by Ram Stein, which means battering ram in German. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> so uh, yeah, but the uh, the thunder ram ability is like five d yeah it was five d six bludgeoning and five d six lightning. As you should. 5d6, so ten, yeah, 10d6 is heavy. Yeah, 10d6, and then like he had a, a lightning bolt ability on his uh, legendary actions that was like 4d10 lightning damage as well. Um, but like my rogue is evasion, so he makes the deck save for both of those abilities and takes no damage. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Man, ro- honestly, I know, I know people say it the whole time, but uh, like for a lot of different classes, um, like if when a when a when a barbarian yeah. takes an absolute battering of a rock from a giant and you're like that's 50 damage and they're like actually it's 25 yeah. then like you're like oh barbarians are awesome yeah. but like you get a similar thing with rogues when you're like, like no other class like, here's can a just be like level firebolt and yeah. you're like I take no damage no yeah no other class can be like yeah I just dodged that delayed fireball yeah exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm gonna roll 12d6 and yeah. it's like cool um, I got a 23 on my save so I guess yeah. nothing happened to me the aspect team had is a 300 foot cone on her birth weapon, but I have plus five to my deck. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing, like, for like a lot of those, like, for uh, particularly actually when you're fighting dragons, mm-hmm. like, rogues are, you know, OP. That, by, by themselves, one on one, no, but but when you have the rest of the team to distract and you can kind of be like, I dodged the breath weapon, which is the main mm-hmm. damage dealer, and then I sneak around the side and I get a sneak attack and all that. Yeah. You know? Do a vaxel down on it and slash her like oh, like fillet yeah, to fillet a red dragon yeah, like a fine. fish from like neck to, yeah, to tail yeah. you know no it's a uh, yeah like I, I don't think i'll ever forget the um i remember the first time we ran into Mirnax, the fire dragon in campaign one and yeah. i remember we were all like we were running we were trying to get from like point a to like this cave or something yeah that we on could, the far end of a valley and there was, valley. yeah there was just a big stretch of open terrain and he like mm-hmm. flew behind us as we we're running to try and get away I remember he like swept down over us once, did his breath attack, and it was like, all right, roll deck saves, and like, I failed, but because I was playing a paladin, everyone else in the party passed because of my bonuses. Yeah. So like, the monk and the rogue took no damage, and the sorcerer took half damage, and I was just like, ah, I'm dying here, and like, I was like, okay, you know, it's fine, I survive. I'm a, I'm the tank. This is my job. Like, lay on hands, heal myself, all that good shit. 
Someone went down in that <laughs> in that encounter when the dragon was. Was it you? Yeah. Yeah. The second time oh. he lit me on fire. Yeah, and when I that, remember when because... that happened again. <laughs> when the whole party passed again, and I failed. Yeah, and I remember because like the monk can dash with some key points, mm-hmm. and the uh, the rogue can dash as a bonus action and an action, and just absolutely hoof it. Um, but I remember you went down and it was a case of like you're in heavy plate armor and you're the big strong one no one else is strong enough to carry you effectively but then that's when mike busts out um dimension door yes. as the sorcerer oh my god and he god. i think he actually asked me because he does this he he, he asked like, me the question uh... i would i get when i say oh you're probably about 200 feet from the entrance he's like cool i cast dimension door 500 foot range <laughs> and i'm like okay <laughs> and yeah. he, he just grabbed a hold of you and just boom, teleports it to the game yeah man that first campaign was so much fun like this one is awesome too. It's just like it's just that one just has also the layers of nostalgia to be like ah oh, man. I th- I think I, I I frequently think about this actually about uh, how how much fun the first campaign was and like am I living up to that this campaign? Mm-hmm. Like is it am I doing things differently to the fact where maybe it's not as fun or is it just because we all know the game so well at this point like that some of the surprise element is gone? It's probably like a little column A, a little column B, I'd say. Yeah, yeah uh there's definitely like yeah i there's i i'm i'm always looking to like refine or fine-tune my my gaming style because i don't ever want to like fall into it's why i like playing with new people every now and again because they will often bring up a challenge that hasn't come up with our regular game and i'm like oh i didn't think of that before or or that's something i didn't try at my regular party now i can try that mm. and i i usually check in with you guys like once every couple of months and i just send a message individually not in, my, not in our group chat i'll send it individually to each person and be like hey just checking in how are you feeling about the campaign right now is there anything that like isn't settling well with you or whatever and i'll just take people's kind of kind of feedback and stuff like that on board because i want to make sure people are enjoying it um and yeah that's a good type of thing for any DM out there, actually. Yeah, is, so is I was just about to say, that actually, that's like a really, really good thing for any DM too. I, I never I never want to be... I joke about it a lot. <laughs> I do joke about it a lot. <laughs> but I never want to be the person who thinks he's the best DM ever and doesn't need to change. Yeah. Um, I, I will often crack jokes about how I'm the, I'm the most amazing DM ever. But I'm, I am joking when I say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, real, really, what I am is I, I will often... I want... I, I'm always keeping in the back of my head like that. I am. I, there's fallibility there. Yeah. I can make mistakes. I I have, and <laughs> more probably more frequently than you guys see, I make mistakes. Um, yeah. I'm just good at hiding them. Um, well, we only know if yeah. you tell us as well. Like. Which I have an awful, I've awful, I've an awful problem as a dungeon master <laughs> where I have, you know, like I'm a person who's I'm in favor of a DM screen. I like mm. having that separation, but I'm also the DM who will reach over the DM screen and be like, "Hey, do you see how I did that thing? I did it like this," and because I'm, I'm too excited for how yeah. for why this thing worked or how this story thing worked out, and I'll be like, "Because you guys don't notice, but the, on the back end, this character was thinking this," and I'm like, "I'm too, I'm too, I can't help myself, yeah. and I hate it. I wish, I, I wish I could just take two seconds, take a deep breath, and then not do that <laughs> because when, I feel like when I do, I'm." I'm pulling back the curtain and revealing the wizard, you know. Oh yeah, yeah totally. Jeez, that's a that's that's a hell of a euphemism if you intended it that way. What? I'm pulling back the curtain and revealing the wizard. Uh, oh, <laughs> the Wizard of Oz. It was a Wizard of Oz reference, Martin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> your mind out of the gutter. But yeah, uh, yeah, it was pretty, pretty, pretty fun. Um, pretty fun week for both of us in D and D. But yeah, I suppose we could probably talk about like Heroes of Crit now. Um, seeing as that's what the actual episode is about uh, so one thing to um, shout out I suppose right away um, and we were actually talking about this before we um, started recording 
with this one, um, a noticeable absence from, or notable rather than noticeable, um, absence from the revisited one and the original Heroes of Kryn is the complete absence of the lunar magic subclass. So that was your moon, your moon sorcerer. Um, yes, we talked about that a lot. That's pretty cool. Yes, it's it was. We both agreed. Seems very, very powerful. Very fun. Lots of utility. Lots super of super versatile. Yes, super, super versatile. In not like depending on how it 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 orientates itself, potentially very good mm. in a lot of different situations. Yeah, like if I were to pay, if you were to force, like you, like gun to my head, play, pick a sort, play a sort, play a sorcerer now, I'd be like, all right, lunar magic sorcerer, because it's just so cool. It's so useful, and like every world has a moon. Every single world has a moon. You can chuck that in. Don't, don't what if what if what if that is a setting right there? I was gonna say it, then you are the avatar of an ancient moon god come back to restore the balance in the universe and bring the moons back to the night sky. That's actually a really bloody cool setup for a, a, a personal character adventure. It's like, oh the like the moon in this world doesn't exist. So yeah. when the sun sets it is sheer darkness. There is absolutely no source of light. And maybe vampires roam the land or something or like, like that. Or like, like there's like there was like a divine war eons ago, and like the moon god was slain during the war, and that's why there's no moon anymore. But their essence lives on, and so has been reborn. And this child, who is the chosen avatar of this Gatoru, blah, 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 youth fish girl from Avatar: The Last Airbender. My girlfriend became the moon. <laughs> oh, that's rough, buddy. <laughs> oh, it's still like some of the best lines in, in all of fiction. But yes, um, this time this. The, the girlfriend did not become the moon it's just that the lunar magic subclass was so good and got mm. such good feedback they just went right we're definitely making this and they just took yeah, it yeah they, 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 they straight up said it in the article yeah. they're like it got such good feedback we're not even bothering to put it in the revisited thing we don't need to think it needs to be changed that's just <laughs> yeah. it's good it's fine yeah the exact word, one, yeah, the exact word is the the lunar magic subclass that appeared in our previous years of article scored so well that it's moving forward in our development process and doesn't appear here which means that everything else you see here didn't score so well in the initial one uh, no, well, yeah, I mean, I don't, uh, I wouldn't say it didn't score terribly or anything, because normally if they do score terribly, mm. they just don't show up again But I, I, yeah, um, I do, in, a, in a different way, you know, like, because there was, there were some subclasses yeah. that I really liked around pre-Xanathars um, that I thought were really fun and very flavorful and all that, uh, and they just never showed up again, even for a revised or revisited thing. Yeah, um, honestly, I'm and, so happy yeah. they shit can the Mystic. The Mystic was the most confusing class I've ever read. I I must have read the Mystic like ten times, and it is like it is a class that has no. You know when you when you pick a class, you can kind of like you go. I'm gonna be a barbarian, so your role is kind of like tank and yeah, a, yeah. a little bit of damage dealer, and you're you're mostly this damage sponge. Yeah. Or I'm gonna be the wizard, and you're like cool. I'm either gonna be like a blaster where I'm hitting people with heavy magic damage, or Let's I'm going to be like the utility guy with a bunch of different spells for flying and levitating and knock and all this other kind of stuff. Uh, and then when you look at the mystic, I'm like, I don't know what this person is meant to be. Like, I don't, because all there was, I had like nine subclasses. Yeah. I think I read it like four times and I still couldn't figure out how stuff worked. And I'm like, yeah. that's a big problem because I'm someone who's experienced in the, I, like I was pretty experienced in D&D by that time as well. I think that, that came out like, what would it like two, three years ago, this probably actually probably like five years ago. This is the goddamn pandemic. We we were in the second apartment, I think. Yeah, it was around the time Xanathar's came out. I think. Yeah, maybe just prior to Xanathar's. Yeah, probably just before, or just after. But yeah, but either uh, way, it was it was the kind of thing where like 
it's just there was there were so many subclasses and every subclass felt like it was meant to be from a different class yeah like there was one of them that was straight up kind of like the avatar as in like you know avatar and mm. kind of thing where it had elemental powers but then there was also one that was like really good at like like psychic stuff and mind control like it was kind of meant to be an enchanter wizard yeah like, and then another one that was like kind of rogue-ish wasn't there uh, one where you like manifested some kind of creature body around your own body and you would these big like force spike legs and stuff you were like some kind of a, like oh i'd have to go back and look at yeah so long, i though. that's like that but that's literally the only thing i can remember from that class but yeah uh, i suppose the reason we bring it up is like so we've seen other stuff that didn't score so well just be like sent off to a farm uh, you know, rip, rip flame sorcerer. Yes, uh, that... there, there was a flame earth and sea sorcerer, mm. and I actually loved all three of them, the, and none of them made it in. The rune knight originally started out as the giant soul sorcerer as well. Uh, oh, that's right. Actually, yeah, it was, mm -hmm. yeah. which was a weird one because it still had the growth thing. But I'm like, would... why does a yeah like it it would it would just you make a, a sorcerer, sorcerer bigger. Yeah, like, yeah. It was like it, it made no sense because like sorcerers are not melee, so why would you need to be bigger in combat? Mm. You know, and it was, it was a strange one. It made way more sense for a fighter who can now control the battlefield better with bigger reach and stuff. Yes, but uh, the the reason I bring up is that like we don't often get these revisited ones. I can think of like I I can only think of about like three off the top of my head. I think. Yeah, true. Um, we like, mostly get mostly it's kind of like you get the one and then. They release a survey a week later or yeah. whatever it is, and uh, and then you either see them again or you don't. Occasionally, I I find that if they do release stuff again for like a another round mm -hmm. where they kind of revise it and stuff, it's usually because they have a really strong feeling that this would be a good yes. class or theme, and they they want to make it work. Yeah, it is. which is why which is why I suppose I, I get why. That's why they do the service. Earth, fire, and water sorcerer didn't make it because they were more maybe they were just peripheral ideas yeah. and maybe they thought they were a bit too generic or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, I think if you're if you're if you're intentionally going into it, well, like I'm going to design four separate subclasses, but each of them is basically the same. I just swap out the element. Um. Well, they they were very different. Well, the fire and water were somewhat different. The yeah. earth one made the sorcerer partially paladin like. Okay. Yeah. They had they they were able to wear use martial weapons and they learned some of the smite abilities some of the smite spells and as if you're a sorcerer you obviously have a lot of spell slots so you mm -hmm. can hit with those smite things quite a lot. Um, I just thought it was a cool one and they it it was just like it was you know how like if you look at uh, arcane. Well, no, Arcane Trickster. Yeah. As Rogue. It's like, what if you were Rogue, but with a little bit of Wizard sprinkled on top? This was like, what if you were Sorcerer, but with a little bit of Paladin sprinkled yeah. on top, you know? Totally. And it was, I, I personally thought it was a great class. I even made a, an NPC in this world. Um, You know, I forget her name now. You know, she was in Rune. She's one of the... She's Goliath. Yes. Um, um, Halsa. Halsa. I made her... Um. I made her into uh, one of those. I just copied down the, the abilities and stuff like that and made her into a sorcerer that wields a shield and a hammer and stuff. I thought it was pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah, so like they're, we know they're not like um, shy about just knocking stuff on the head and being like, yeah, this isn't working. This is going away. This is kind of... So when they do, like I said, when they do come back with a revisited one, it's usually that they've gotten negative feedback on something that they think really has value and worth to it and maybe something mm -hmm. they want to explore more. So um, just giving it, a, giving it a look straight up here, uh, 23 minutes into the podcast <laughs> um, the main... I'm rambling today get off my back it's, it's all good man it's all good I'm going to need you to get way off of my back there yeah um, <laughs> good old Ryan George uh, but yeah the, so 
as I said, the lunar magic, the lunar subclass, the lunar subclass for a sorcerer is not included in the revisit. But what we do mm-hmm. have is um the similar kind of stuff about like creating your character and all that comes up. Um, we have some changes to the kender, which are pretty interesting. Uh, and then we what this mainly focuses on really um is the Dragonlance backgrounds, and some shifting around and uh, changes that have been made to those backgrounds. That's to be honest, I'm I'm quite excited about because I, I in like. It was in a, a nerd immersion video that I was watching. Ted from Nerd Immersion was like, um, made the point that like, this is this may be like an indication of where they want to take base, not five e, but what like maybe five point five or six e in the future. Yeah. Um, and we can kind of get around to that once we're talking with the backgrounds and stuff. But yeah, first up we have the Kender. So with the Kender, um, in case you haven't seen our previous episode related to this, you you should absolutely go and watch because we talk a lot about the lunar subclass in there and it's really, really cool. Um, But the Kender are basically like smaller humanoids that have, um, they have like a tendency for like, like they have a proclivity for like um, tinkering and always having their like tool on hand and that kind of stuff. Uh, They're basically sort of like dwarves or halflings really. Um, They're halfling adjacent, I would say, yeah. They're like techie. Hats, Naturally curious. They have. Uh, they 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 love carrying trinkets and curiosities and mm. stuff uh, with them, uh, which is where one of their abilities came from, and an ability that they no longer have, which I think is, it's not it's not the in my opinion it's kind of the main change that we have here. Um, now, arguably, they've changed it from something that was quite interesting but not very mm. useful to something that's quite generic but definitely more useful yeah they just which is they... Use, useful but not super interesting yeah so it's not the first thing on the list but mm. the the kender ace which was something they got a third level last time yes. where they could reach into a bag or a pocket or a container as a bonus action and they can roll on a d6 table to decide do you do you pull out one item from the trinkets table uh mm. one simple weapon of your choice uh five d6 gold pieces and so on there's a bunch of different stuff and then uh after an hour those objects disappear they're magical objects you just mm. produce from your it's called, it's almost like uh that uh what's that um that patchwork cloak cloak of useful items that's it yeah yeah, yeah yeah um so it's a bit like that but at least with the, with you have set patches on the cloak mm. where you know what you're pulling off whereas this was very Right. I, I can't. I honestly can't remember what I said about it last time. I feel like I gave out about it. Um, I, I, because th- I, I, I think we were both quite positive about it last time, actually. From oh, was I? I okay. So I'm looking because at it now, and I have a completely different opinion about. It. I, I distinctly remember us being like, "Isn't it hilarious? You could just be like, crap. I need to. I need to bribe this guard. Uh, 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 thirty gold. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like the the problem is you have to roll on a table, and I mean, like you that, that's that, okay. So number one is five d six gold pieces. Mm-hmm. Um. And like in any in any given scenario, okay, uh Matt, do you have a dice picture? <laughs> Who do you think I am? Of course I am. Okay, I have uh, I have I, a I have a literal pint glass of dice. <laughs> okay, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you uh and hopefully you're not too good at the game that you completely show me up here. Um I'm gonna give you a scenario and okay. you're gonna tell you're gonna roll on this table as a kender and tell me how you're gonna solve the situation. Okay? Alright. Okay. What's my so, kender's name? You tell me, it's your character. Bender. B- Bender the Kender. <laughs> sure. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, here's a scenario. Um, you are 
you are walking down the country road. You've just the clothes on your back, right? Okay. Um, and you spy something shiny in the forest, so you go to investigate. And as you do, uh, you find yourself uh, falling into a pit trap. A uh, pit trap is, is 20 feet deep. You take a couple D6 damage, which are okay. You're not unconscious or anything. And then uh, when you look around to try and climb your way out, you're like, oh, these walls are way too steep and it's way too far. It's all mud. It just keeps falling away. How am I going to climb out of this hole? Roll a D6. All right, I'm just going to say, there's a number on this where if I get it, the problem is solved. Oh, dear. <laughs> I need to uh, grab that dice. <laughs> I don't know where it's at. <laughs> right, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. All right, a uh, glass table and a plastic dice. They bounce high. Uh, oh, yes, of course. Let's see. Damn it, I really wanted to get the one that would literally just solve this I know, problem. I know, I know. <laughs> like, it's number five, like, it's the grappling hook. <laughs> like, yeah. I was so hoping I'd roll a five and smuggle go, I'll take the grappling hook and I'll get out of the pit. <laughs> what, what did you roll? I rolled a three, which is one item of choice. Oh, actually, this works perfectly. Uh, from the adventuring gear, I pick pittance. Did you pick pittance? Yeah. Push him into the Damn wall, you. you've handholds. Hand <laughs> I know, like I would, I, I if I did, if I did that, and I was, if someone did that, in my party, and I was a DM, I'd be like, okay, they hold for a time, because it's yeah, mud. Just, it's mud. Well, yeah. here, well okay, I know. Also, I'm pretty sure you, you have to get, you have to get the one. You have yeah. to get one of the few things, right? But here's the thing: if you got number one, yeah, you got some gold pieces. That's yes, not gonna You can't bribe the hole to let you out. No, you can't. Um, if you got two, you get a simple weapon of your choice. That has the light properties. So a, a dagger, a single dagger, uh, a sickle or something. You know, there's a lot of stuff there that I don't know that bow staff? it would have. A what? A bow staff? It's, does a bow staff have the light properties? Not light. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and then we go to, you got one where you can pick one from the table. Yeah. Uh, one. Okay, number four is one random item from the trinkets table. So that's like a lock of hair, a, yeah. an old metal, uh, a, a little carved figurine. You know, nothing is going to help oh, you there. Okay, right. But like... What if you're like trying to conv- take convince like an older NPC to get on your side, and they're like, "Oh God, we need to show them that they can trust us," and your kender just goes, "Look, it's your daughter's locket." <laughs> well, okay, here, here, okay, here's the thing. Like, are you are you manifesting real world items or just producing something unique for a short time? It's it's the second one. The object glimmers softly and disappears after an hour. So you need to make your escape pretty quickly. But like, see, that's the thing. And then like, and then your tools, a tools table from the player's handbook. Mm. I mean, like, you could maybe argue that like, if you've got carpenter's tools, you could use a couple chisels to kind of like climb your way out or something. But like, again, it's a bit of a stretch and it's messy and it doesn't quite make sense. Yeah. So there's at least three, if not four of those there that would be absolutely no use to you if you roll them, you know? Yeah. Um, likewise, if, if there's a situation where you, you're like, Oh, you need to go through this portcullis into the town, but the guard is like, "Sorry, no, we're not letting in, you know, wanderers and travelers. The, the town is closed." Blah blah blah. And you're like, "Oh, I'll try and roll. How, how will this go?" And you get the gold pieces. Great, I can bribe him with the gold pieces. But then, like, you there, sir, you get this, would you like a grappling hook? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or, or then you're like, "Okay, I got a, a simple weapon," and it's mm. like, "Oh, here's a dagger." Um, I guess I, I could stab him with it, but then you're, you know, you're immediately starting a fight. Um, and then like, oh, I got myself some, I don't know, smith ah, tools. You draw, a, gonna do? you draw a dagger, walk around the corner, stab yourself in the stomach, and then collapse backwards around the corner, going, Oop! and then they drag you inside and heal you. 
<laughs> I would. I here's the thing. I don't, I don't. I don't even know how I would rule that. I I would be like, yeah. I don't know. I'd be like, do you actually stab yourself? Yeah, yeah I, I, I do it. I do it. hundred percent. I do. You're mad. Uh, I yeah. See, I, I, I don't know. See, this it's is just, why. This is why I don't play rogues and stuff, man. Because I'll just do really crazy stuff. It's just I feel like the whole ability was just really like wild, and you had to stretch the stretch the bounds of reality an awful lot to kind of make stuff happen. Whereas they upgraded, or not, it's an upgraded, it's a bit of a lateral move, uh, is now Kinder Curiosity. Mm -hmm. And thanks to your mystical origin of your people, you gain proficiency in one of the following insight, investigation, side of hand, stealth, or survival. Um, like, which are all great abilities, but. It's that's so much more value, realistically speaking, as well. It does. it does. And like, none of them are, all of them are ones people actually roll re frequently. It's yes. not like one of them is animal handling. No offense to animal handling, but no one ever <laughs> uses animal you, handling. You, it's, it's the elemental monk and animal handling for you just right here and then the arcane archer is like here do I hate the arcane archer more you the elemental monk? no you definitely hate the elemental monk more I'd say I, I definitely want the elemental monk to be better more yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so my hatred probably comes from the fact that I, I it's like I know I know your potential monk I know mm. you can do this why are you the way you are I'm, I'm, a, I'm a disappointed father I'm like you have so much potential why are you wasting it <laughs> Oh god, yeah, um, yeah. No, she's the sorry. Yeah, that that Kendrick Curiosity. That just derailed you. I apologize. You've entirely, you've enti yeah, you entirely killed whatever sentence I had going on my head there. But no, it's to totally fine. Yeah, um, I, I, I entirely agree. Like, while I like kind of the gimmicky nature of the D six, and like I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for a D six table. I, I love rolling a D six on a table. Yeah, like, same. You can do I like, I like the element out, of, like... of randomness, the element of cure of uh, chaos that yeah. goes along with this. But like, I, I do like. You said it was a lateral move. I honestly, I think in terms of usability, it's a big upgrade. And I, I, I know. I think, I think we were. I think at least I maybe was pretty posi was positive or pretty positive about the the Ken race. I can't, I can't remember when I reread it today for the first time in a few weeks. I was like, that's dumb. <laughs> I think we're just like, oh, isn't this so cool and quirky and unique? And like now we're just like, it's not well, mechanically. Once the quirkiness good. wears off, you're like, yeah, it's yeah. not mechanically sound. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, I, it's, I just, I feel like, yes, it is mechanically better now. You're going to get mm. more use out of an insight or a side of hand or stealth yes. check or whatever. 100%. But I feel like um, in terms of, because uh, that was a very unique ability that they got there. Very interesting. Um, but just like not usable enough. Whereas now mm. we get something very, very generic as an ability, which is just one extra proficiency. But the selection we have there are very good selections to pick from. So it's like be better usefulness, far less interesting. So kind mm. of even that. That's why I say it's a lateral move in my mind. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I totally get what you mean there. Yeah. Um. And there, there's a couple other uh, changes made to the Kender as well. Um. One of which is just a straight buff. Which oh is, yeah. Which is yeah. awesome. Totally. Um. So in the previous version, here was a Crin. Uh, Kender had um, Brave, uh, which is you have advantage on saving throws made to avoid or end the frightened condition on yourself. Now, it's the uh, same as the, as the halfling ability. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sorry, yeah, exactly the same as the halfling ability. Um, now, they've just straight up changed that. You're no longer brave, you are fearless because you are now immune to the frightened condition. Which you is, straight up cannot be frightened, yeah. That's so good. Like, I, like as someone who played Paladin for like 17 levels, <laughs> like. Dear God, being immune to fear is like one of the best things in the world. I I barely used in the first campaign. I don't. I, I barely used fear at all because I'm like, there's no point because yeah. I think it was your aura, wasn't it? And like, it gave it to all your allies as well. So the whole party was basically immune um, to fear. 
Yeah, it was. It, like, I think it's like a tenth level. Is it? Is it a vengeance? Yeah, it's no, a vengeance no, it's, paladin, no, it's right? a, it's a base. I think it's a base paladin thing. Is it? Isn't it? Aura of um, aura of courage. We're gonna find out. I think it's. I think it's base paladin, no. Base paladin. Base, base paladin. Uh, you have six level. I think it's is either level nine or level ten. I think. I think it was this, I might have been specifically a vengeance thing. Oh, there. okay. That would that I suppose that that makes sense. Do you, the R is oh, no. do no, no. Here we go. Nope. So hold on, first apologies. Um. Uh no, this is your that's your. It's uh it's definitely something you were immune to it for a reason. Uh, I'm looking here. It's not to do with your subclass anyway, so it's got to be the base. Yeah, I, I, I'm fairly certain it's just a base paladin thing. When you hit a certain level of paladin, you're just immune to fear. Yeah, channel protection. Oh, here we go. Aura of Courage. Yeah. Uh, starting 10th level, you and friendly creatures within 10 feet of you cannot be frightened while you are conscious. Yeah. And at 18, that expands to 30 feet. So, like, because you guys would just be grouped up and, like, uh, a dragon's uh, frightful presence mm -hmm. or any other, uh, the, someone casting this fear spell, there was just no point at all because you basically made the whole all you had to do as well is like walk if someone over. was feared walk <laughs> over to them and then stop being afraid i didn't uh, even so have to just... walk over i just had to shift the last five feet of the aura on them <laughs> yeah it's the thing like you as long as you can just get them into the aura yeah. and again when you hit a high enough level it just got so so big then that like everyone was although you never i, I, hit 18 I, I never because i went three levels of warlock I, you were three levels of warlock yeah 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 that was fun uh but yeah, that's a very yep. long-winded, rambly, roundabout way of us saying being immune to fear is really awesome. It is really good. It's it is really good. Like a dragon, like like Connor said, like a dragon's frightful presence. Every single dragon has frightful presence, nearly. And they get to use it. Like if you look at their multi-attack feature of pretty much it's every dragon, frightful it's, presence. The dragon uses frightful presence and then makes its its either breath weapon or does its like one bite, two claw attack thing. Yeah, exactly. So it gets to use it the whole time. And it, it it makes a difference because if if the open if in the opening round of combat, uh, like if you have four or five people in the party and you know two or three of them uh, fail that, mm -hmm. now you have a fighter and an archer, and the fighter can't get in close enough to do any attacks in the first round, and the archer is making all its attacks with disadvantage because the source of its fear is within range. So yeah. immediately that puts a huge dampener on the action economy of the party. Then it, and it entirely changes like everyone's plans as well. Because like you're saying, if it's like if it's like a melee, if it's two fighters, one's melee and one's an archer, like mm -hmm. yeah, the archer could still hit, but now the archer is disadvantaged on everything they're going to do, so they're probably not going to if they have anything, any like special like arrows that they had bought, they're probably not going to use them till they're immune to fear, so your your creature's going to take less damage and straight up on the front. Um, similarly with your melee characters, a feared melee character basically can do jack shit unless they're feared when they're right in front of the creature. Um and even yeah. then and even then all their all your attack like fear is so useful fear is so so useful yeah. and to just straight up have it baked into your base um race legacy whatever you want to call it that yeah. you're immune to it so good so so good um and as well as that then we also had a slight change to another ability that Kendra had that had that had that I actually really I actually really, really liked as well um because I'm I'm a fan of anything that gives you this feature which is taunt anything I'm, yeah. I'm like. I think there should be more of this personally in D and D. Like I feel like you should have more ways to taunt a creature and make them unable to get away from you, and like have to fight yeah. you. Yeah. 
Um, then you, had, you had Vow of Enmity in the first one, and uh, uh, no, sorry, Abjure Enemy. I'm thinking. Of, sorry. Uh, no, that was just a fear thing. Um, it was the the, ve- was... the vengeance thing. Was if I, I at a certain when I was a high enough level, if I used my vow on someone to get it, so I'd always have advantage. Then I could follow them if I. I I'm, I'm thinking of Compel Duel. Yeah, which com- is Compel Duel is decent, but like, it's not a very powerful spell, and like. Yeah, you know, it's it's just it's just not it's not it's not super reliable and it's not super powerful. So it's eh. um and then like you've kind of like semi taunt stuff like we were talking before with um with the like the ancestral guardian barbarian, who can like be like oh okay yeah. so you want to hit them you have to kind of go through me first kind of unless your attack modifier is high enough that you can just be like nah. Um, but, but, yeah, well, it's it's either either they attack you which will be a normal roll and all yeah. that stuff, or they attack someone else but they have disadvantage on the roll. And they also all the damage they do is halved because yeah. that the target of that is always going to be have resistance to all yeah. damage done by someone who is you know has the effect on them. Yeah, I think um, the only actual really straight up taunt in five E that I've seen seen now um, is Ashton in Critical Role. His his barb subclass straight up has a you can't get away from me feature. That's pretty cool. It's really cool. I think it's his gravity rage. Um, I'm 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 still really behind on D on critical role, but I know he's using a homebrew class of mats, right? Yeah, I actually sent it to our D and D chat. I found I found it. I think um I can't I think I can't remember exactly what it's called. It's like so it's like, like the is it called like the seismic path I, of the seismic or path of the it's something like earthquake and gravity related and stuff like I, that. I think like, in, I I um I'm literally googling now. Uh, I remember I remember we were like <laughs> we uh. We did a a poll with our R D and D group when we when the new campaign was starting, and we were trying to predict, you know, what is each person going to play between race and class and stuff like that. Um, and then, um, by the time it actually came around, so many of us were like, "Oh, we still don't know because they're being really secretive about this." Because most, like, we knew there were classes most of them were playing, yeah, but not not what subclasses because half of them were playing. Got it homebrew subclasses and everything it's path of it's the path of fundamental chaos path of fundamental chaos yeah and he's yeah got, he's got like four uh, there we go yeah path of fundamental chaos chaos burst add 2d4 damage to an attack with a melee weapon twice a day damage type apparently depends on a roll die and includes lightning force cold fire and psychic four rage builds determined randomly by rolling a d4 whenever action begins raging orbital decay which is gravity which is this is the one i think has the taunt um when raging light seems to bend on Ashton's form, the air around their head becomes black and white, and gravity seems to have more of a pull for everyone in the room, including allies. Enemies within 15 feet seem to be pulled towards Ashton and suffer disadvantage on attacks against creatures other than Ashton. And that's one out of four of his rages. Um, it's re- like did, you, did you say he gets a thing where he rolls 2d4 and the damage is determined by the 2d4? Uh, so it's a it's yes yeah, so that's it's, that's it's, very similar to chaos bolt. It's called chaos burst, and yeah, it's it's an additional two d four damage, and it uh, you just you roll a dice to determine the the damage type. So like like I said, lightning force, cold fire, and psychic. Uh, uh chaos bolt does something similar. Yeah, you roll because uh, the damage so the is two d eight plus. Yeah, exactly. It's two d eight plus two plus a d six damage. Yeah, and, and then if you roll you, doubles, you choose the one bolts, of the d eights. But but also if you roll doubles the bolt duplicates itself and makes another one it, it leaps from the target to another target within 30 feet yeah uh, and can potentially <laughs> string as many times I guess as you get doubles yeah yeah it's pretty cool it's a great spell it's really fun 
Yeah, uh, but, um, the, re- the reason we have to go looking for that now is because like the only this is one of the few other things in Five E where you have a taunt, and what it, the way it used to work was quite similar to the ancestral guardian thing, um, where it's basically as a bonus action. This is the old one now. As a bonus action, you can unleash a barrage of insults at a creature within sixty feet, so it's got a hell of a long range. Um, that can hear and understand you. Target must succeed on a wisdom saving throw. DC is equal to eight plus proficiency plus your charisma. Um, or it has disadvantage on attack rolls until the start of your next turn. Um, so it just had that straight up. It was all attack rolls. Um, it's a minor nerf. Um, it's now even more like the Ancestral Guardian uh, raid, like one part of the Ancestral Guardian raid, yeah. where um, now it's uh, target must succeed in a wisdom save or has disadvantage on attack rolls against targets other than you. Um, in terms of how the um, save DC is worked out, it's the exact same as well. Um and you can use it a, a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus um, and you which uh, and you regain all expended uses on a long rest which is as we've kind of mentioned a couple of times seems to be how they're designing things now which is really good yeah oh I mean we, we talked about it with all the new races and stuff <clears> the fact <throat> that you can use their, their inherent race abilities multiple times for short and long rest now is just it's just yeah. absolutely brilliant um, I do love the conceptual idea of Ashton being an earth ganassi and having gravity powers like he he is a body of earth like a planet and has mm. his own gravitational field is a super super cool idea his his, his <clears throat> excuse me he's got a lot of really really cool rage powers that um yeah it's like a legit if they do the thing with critical role that they did with like blood hunter and cobalt soul and, and uh oath of the open sea where all those go into uh, D beyond shortly after or during that campaign mm be prepared for the path to fundamental chaos to be the de facto best barbarian in the game like full on it will be yeah actually this is a bit of topic out of curiosity um of the people that are there we have what how many unique subclasses do we have there in uh is is laura's sorcerer has that been confirmed aberrant mind uh, i think so uh, right. I, I think it's also like I'm now bear in mind I think the last episode of Critical Role I watched in full was 17 and that was on Paddy's Day um, that, right, aired, okay. that aired on Paddy's Day and it's now May the 1st of May <laughs> yeah so I, I'm a bit behind um, okay I'm a bit behind but uh, from what I understand I think everyone else is like rules official classes I, I well uh, it's Ashton and and Fre- Fresh Fresh yeah, he's, he's a, a unique type of cleric yeah. as well. Yeah, he is. Um, he's less like a cleric and more like a therapist. It's really cool. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I do. I do like it. Um, yeah, sorry. Let's uh, let's jump back into into this. Uh, we're we're getting derailed like crazy today. This is we haven't, we haven't been this bad in a while. No, we haven't been this bad in a while. But it's okay. Um, so uh, where the real like meat of this on Earth, Arcana, and where like the real interesting stuff is, um, is in the backgrounds. So like. Last time, the backgrounds we got were... Uh, there's so much lunar magic. Um, we got the Knight of Slamnia, and we got the Mage of High Sorcery. Um, so in the revamped ones, we, I believe we still have... Yeah, it's, it's the same two, but they're, they're slightly different, I think, in some it, of them. Yeah, it's the Knight and the Mage still. Um, and then we also actually get a list of specific feats for Dragonlance that I assume will come out with whatever the Dragonlance book is going to be. I think it's just called Heroes of Crane, actually uh yes i think that that's the definitive title but yeah. they haven't they because they, they released it um 
but it's there's no cover art for it because it was just a black cover when they showed it at D and D Direct. Yeah. Okay, so here's where things get really, really interesting. So before we get into exactly the night and the and the may and the mage of ice sorcery, now we have Dragonlance backgrounds, and so this section pre- uh, presents two new backgrounds for characters from the world of Kryn. Uh, the Knight of Slamnia and the Mage of High Sorcery. When you make a character participating in the War of the Lance, choose one of the backgrounds in this section or select a background from the player's handbook or another source. Um, which is very, very cool and interesting. Um, so now what happens is bonus feats. Whatever background you choose for your, uh, your War of the Lance character, you gain bonus feats as detailed below. Characters involved in this conflict are forced into remarkable situations and changed by their experiences. Which I don't know about you, Connor, but that's basically the general description of a D&D campaign. Uh, <clears throat> selective feast. Wait, say that again. No, sorry. Like the way that ends, like right, like so. It, the the last the last sentence there. Characters involved in this conflict are forced into remarkable situations and changed by their experiences. That's basically. Oh, that, that's just a definition of a character. <laughs> but also, like, but like, just like you're forced into remark. Like, not everyone is forced into a remarkable situation. Like, but like, um, like that's literally just like that's a two line description of a dean of what happens to your character over the course of a D and D campaign. Like, yeah. Yeah, true. Um, which... uh, it's. I mean, you're just. Yeah, you're. I mean, it's. It's a weird thing to include. It's like it, they might as well say, "Oh, by the way, don't forget to roll up a character and pick some stats and stuff." Because, like, well, obviously, you know. I. I, I suppose. I, I. guess I was thought I was being a little cleverer than I than I was there. But um, yeah. But what what I mean is like. You, sorry, you yeah. were being clever there. Um, I was. Just, I. I'll be perfectly honest. I. I zoned out there for a second and I was not paying attention. <laughs> It's okay, buddy. It happens. I was re- I was reading something else on the old sheet here, and I got distracted. I apologize. It's all good. It's all good. But yeah, anyway, to get to the point of it. Uh, so first of a bonus feat. If you select the Knight of Slamnia or Mage of High Sorcery, you gain the bonus feat specified in the background. If the background you choose doesn't provide a feat, you gain a bonus feat of your choice from the following list. So let's say let's say we're let's say like for whatever reason you decide to run a third campaign and we run a Dragonlance campaign, and we're making yep. our characters, and I decide to be um. Yeah, I, I like, and we're all picking our backgrounds, and like, I pick a character, and I decide I don't want to be a Knight of Salamnia. I want to be a haunted one, or what one did I give here? Yeah, a haunted one, or like a soul traveler, soldier, guildmaster, spy, criminal, entertainer, any of those, right? Yeah, I can yeah. still, I can still use that in um the Ward Lance, uh, and I really like because like they co- they so easily could have just done the Dragonlance ones. They so could easily could have been. You pick these two Dragonlance backgrounds, you get these feats. But they, I love that they put in additional ones to specify, right? So, the one at the first at first level, you can choose these feats, and these are and they have, and they depend on what you pick. So, uh, divinely favored, which is from this document, skilled and tough, which are from the player's handbook. Like at level one, to get tough because of your background is skilled as well. Skilled gives you three proficiencies and skills. Yeah, yeah, it's, like. If you, if, if you pick something like a rogue which gets three as well mm-hmm. and then you get like uh you'll probably get one or two from your background na- like naturally and then maybe your race has one depending on what race you pick mm. and then you get three more on top of that you're talking about having like uh maybe 10 proficiencies at level one like it's crazy yeah. it's, it's really 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 good um and just for uh reference on that one the divinely favored feat is a god has chosen you to carry a spark of your divine power you learn one cantrip of your choice from the cleric spell list and one first level spell based on the alignment of your character and this is laid out in the alignment spells table below you also learn augury which is a really useful spell that um, actually changed as well oh it did 
so previous, because I, I actually noticed this a while ago when I was going through it. So, sorry, now I'll bring up the two together. Where are we? The feed is called... Divinely Favoured. Divinely Favoured. So previously, um, that used to be, depending on, like you said, like you said, it's based on your alignment, whether it's mm -hmm. evil, good, or neutral. Choose one first level spell, uh, and then you can either have Warlock for evil, mm -hmm. good for cleric, or neutral druid. Um, or you can pick from the wizard. Each one is warlock and wizard, cleric and wizard, mm. druid or wizard. Um, so you get from those lists. They've just dropped wizard entirely off all three of them now, and you're you can only pick from warlock, cleric, or druid, uh, which is interesting. Um, they still I, do also have the um, feature that you can actually choose to use a holy symbol as a spell casting focus for any spell you use when you pick this uh, for any spell you cast. Um, using the ability you got from this feat too which is a nice that, flavor that's actually that i was looking at that a while ago and like that's a really nice kind of just little general housekeeping thing mm. because the way that they phrase that means that you because you're divinely favored you can be like how do i put this you can be normally if you're like a wizard for example you're yeah. more about i studied this stuff i don't cast it because my god allows me to i cast this because i studied what the spell needs to happen and then i reproduce those effects and so on yeah um but there's nothing that says you can't be a wizard now who is uh who is uh what you call it and uh, now this is something that like you could uh, your dm would probably allow anyway if you really wanted to but mm. in hard rules uh, rules as written now it can be done the way it says your spell casting ability sorry uh in addition you can use a holy symbol as a spell casting focus for any spell you cast uh it uses the spell casting ability chosen when you select this feat presumably when you select that feat if you're playing a wizard you're going to pick intelligence because mm. you want the spell you get from the druid spell list to use intelligence instead of wisdom yeah. uh, or likewise for warlock or whatever um, and that means that all the other spells you can naturally cast as a wizard you can also use your holy symbol for instead yes actually yeah that's that's like super useful I, because I it's, it's, like it's every spell you can cast that uses intelligence as your ability and again likewise if you are playing a sorcerer you could pick charisma and, and so on like but yeah. i think it's very cool i i think it's really i think that stuff like this i think is all as always um in particular um additionally beneficial to sorcerers because they don't get to change out their spell list anywhere near as often yeah. as other classes and they they, they have a, a lower number of spells known i think as well um, they also don't get to use um uh, did Sorcerers get spellcasting focuses? Am I, or am I just completely uh, I, off, the, off the beam track here? I, I'm going to show my my lack of knowledge here, but I don't believe a sorcerer needs a spellcasting focus because the magic comes from within. Rather, It's a part of their natural body rather than, say, like a, a warlock that, channel, that channels it through uh, an arcane focus or a wizard that uses a spellbook. They, or a they can. It's, it's here. Uh you can use an arcane focus scene and adventure in gear as a spellcasting focus. And personally, the the choice between uh, an arcane focus, uh, a component pouch, um, a a druid spellcasting focus, which is different because it's like a sprig of holly or something, yeah. or a holy a symbol, skull. or a, or a flute because you're a bard. The difference between all of them has always seemed arbitrary to me. If anyone in my game was playing a bard and it's like, I'd like to use like a, a wizard staff as a bard, I'd be like, yeah, you go for it. I have no problem with that. I, oh, I, oh, I would be like, you can use it on one condition. You have to hollow the top out and drill holes down the side. You can play it like a great like I'd really have no problem with that. And same thing like if someone was like playing... Uh, like I said, a wizard, and they mm. were like, "Oh, I'm a wizard, and I'm very into like knowledge and all that." But I actually worship the god of knowledge. Yeah. Uh, but I don't want to play a knowledge cleric. Instead, I'm going to be like, 
but I'd still like for my my to use a holy symbol. I'd be like, yeah, sure, absolutely, go for it. Like, no, no problem. Yeah, no, like, I, yeah, I just I like that. I like um, I like I just like that they're they're they seem to be building in more and more, particularly with like the way they changed how picking your race and the your racial bonuses work and like uh, feats and stuff like that how they change that and now how they're changing like backgrounds if this isn't like uh, ted from nerd immersion was saying that he was like he said that, like this bit in particular was the bit that really 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 excited him because mm. first of all it's just really cool you get a feed of first level you get a feed of fourth level and then after that you get all your asis so like it's really really nice like because because that way by fourth level you have a fairly complete character because like between your race your class your background and now the two feats your background is going to give you you've a really well fleshed out character there just in you terms get, of you know the way this background gives you a feat at fourth level yeah is that is that feat you get part of your standard class fourth level thing or is it on top of that or is it instead of um... am, am i making sense it just says at fourth level you gain another bonus feat of your choice. It doesn't say that it replaces the ASI. So, oh, so it says bonus feat. So yeah. it must be an, so another. As, so, so yeah, you still get the ASI. Or would you? Could you have three feats by fourth level? Technically, if you wanted to, yeah, you could. You because from as it's written there anyway, it seems yeah because they specifically say it's a bonus feat. So yeah, you, you get your you get a feat of first level. You choose that one. You get a feat of fourth level that is either an entirely different feat because you didn't pick a Heroes of Crane background or if you did mm -hmm. pick a Heroes of Crane background there are feats that build on the initial feat as well or, and um, <clears throat> excuse me um, and then in addition to that like you hit basically you tick you tick over onto level 4 you go okay you have you can choose an ASI or a feat and then you also go here's your, bo your extra bonus feat from your background so like you were saying yeah technically by level 4 you can have 3 feats yeah uh that's that's I've, I've always said that one of my favorite classes is just on how it's structured and how you build it is warlock because at first level you choose your patron mm -hmm. at second level you choose your pact whether it's blade or talisman or tome or whatever or chain uh, and then at third level you choose your uh, invocations or mm -hmm. yeah and then at fourth level you get a feat so even if like if two people in, the, in a class were like we're both going to play warlock they could each choose such different things in the first four levels that they could be playing entirely different people by fourth level, you know? Oh, yeah. And, like, that's... And, I... and this, is kind of, this kind of is a similar thing because even if two people play fighter mm. uh, and, and if they both pick Battlemaster but one is an archer and one is a, a, a longsword wielder, if they pick different archer-related feats and melee-related feats, they could be two entirely different characters by fourth level. Yeah. And you'd be powerful too. Like, like you sit there, like, mm. a, like a longsword user, Battlemaster... Okay, so I'm going to take what longsword user? So I'm going to take tough. I'm going to take mobile, and I'm going to take probably like heavy armor master as well, maybe because yeah, I'm probably because yeah. I'm probably in full plate. So I'll I'll take that three damage. And, at, at, at early levels, heavy heavy armor master is so good at early levels. It's ridiculous. Am, am I incorrect? Because I I never pick it. But am I incorrect in um like heavy armor master is one where like you take three less damage per like bludgeon two less bludgeoning piercing or slashing damage per hit isn't it it's it's three but it's on every it's on it's not a reaction it just happens yeah, and yeah, it's absolutely. on every single individual hit you take yeah um so like it's if, if a creature with multiple claws comes up to you and it bites you and claws you and claws you and hits you with its tail for all for those four attacks you're saving 12 health 
Yeah. Which is crazy. It's really nice. Like, it's really yeah. nice. And, like, the fact that, like, like you're saying, like, you can do the same with the archer. You, you will switch and say, like, you, you take you take your battle, you're a battle master archer instead. Sharpshooter. Elven um, accuracy. Elven accuracy, yeah. So you can, so you can, you can hit still if you miss. Yeah. Um, and then, like, oh, geez, I don't know what, it, like. Skulker for skul- when you're hiding. Skulker, uh, keen mind. Um, what else could you pick? Uh, like tavern brawler, tough. Um, isn't there like like prodigy? Like, there's so many. Prodigy for a human or half elf, yeah. Yeah, there's like so many you could pick from. Like, I like, I just really, really, really like that. There, they seem to be really drilling down into. But like even in your early levels, where you want to give you as much opportunity to express your character and who they are and exactly what makes yeah. them them as much as possible, because that's what I love about D and D is like that ability to like I made this up and now it's a fully realized character and I'm playing it and it's awesome and it's dope and I get to do all the cool things I envisioned. It's like literally like I could see it like when I started playing Eru, I was like someday I'm gonna do some crazy like demigod stuff and then you made me an angel at level 15 <laughs> like, yeah. like yeah you know it's that kind of stuff um, and it's all just like I, i'm just it's just stuff i really appreciate seeing coming into D and like further customization further specialization and like i know some people are, are can be can find that hard about the the barrier for entry but at least with these it's one and four so you one extra thing to explain at level one to someone who's brand new and at level four, then by that time, they usually have enough of a base level of game knowledge that the additional feat isn't going to be super confusing either. I do. It does make me wonder, because we've obviously been playing pretty much since 5th edition came out. Yeah. And we've spent a lot of that time learning the rules and how the game functions and where the restrictions are and where the lines are. That you're, like, you can't do this. So, like, uh, like there's stuff like... Uh, blade singer for example uh you you had to be an elf to be a blade singer but now you don't you can i'm pretty sure when they republished it in tasha's they were like with your dm's permission you can be a blade singer of any I, race I'm, I'm fairly certain yeah yeah and then like it's like oh uh wood elves get bonuses to wisdom dark elves get bonuses to charisma and now it's like anyone can have a bonus to anything you want that suits yeah. your class best um and now we're seeing stuff where it's like oh you can take multiple feats here and when you pick your subclass um there's no restriction on this and there's no restriction on that we're seeing a lot of the stuff being taken a lot of stuff i think we've learned over the years and it's been like hard coded into us <laughs> yeah. it's like you can't do this because that doesn't go with this yeah but a lot of those have been taken away and i wonder i do wonder from the perspective of someone who is just now getting into fifth edition is it and we'll probably never know because realistically mm. no one can have both experiences and compare them but is it easier when it had the restrictions and you could learn the rules or when it when it has virtually no restrictions is that easier to learn or is that too open and too free form that it's 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 so many options how do i possibly choose kind of thing you know i totally get what you mean because if you remember like recently and we even talked about in the podcast i ran like a, a demon themed uh, one shot that ended up in like three sessions over six weeks because people kept cancelling and moving stuff um, yeah <laughs> But like for that one, like I distinctly remember the character creation process because I had two people who had never touched D E before or any, or yeah. had any real like like they played like board games and stuff, but they wouldn't have had like tabletop RPG experience like where you have to decide your stats and your build and all this kind of stuff, and yeah. like trying to walk people through like so what kind of character like I I'd always be like so what kind of character could you see yourself playing and they're like oh well I don't really know and I'm like. 
do you want to be like a fast sneaky person do you want to be like an archer person or like a, a ranged person do you want to be like a big tank just runs into the battle and smashes things or do you want to be like a, like kind of a skilled like like trying to basically throwing out as many archetypes as i can at them so i can get an idea of what they want to play and then use yeah. my knowledge of the game to be like okay so you want to play this so these three classes can go away and then everything else is just down to what you like so like trying to go from like okay right what race do you want to be here's like 30 races that that's the thing like i find like i i recently ran a game for I told you about this where I had like four of my friends in school. Now one of them had already played before, so he had a sort a divine soul sorcerer half elf. Perfect, yes. great build, really good. I had three other people and they had virtually no knowledge of D D. So if I show them like they don't know what a UNT is or a mm. Triton or or a Furball or anything like that. So if I show them that, that's a lot for them to take in at once. Yeah. So two of them ended up being uh elves uh i think they were both wood elves actually and one of them ended up being uh like a, a hill dwarf i think um okay. which is just like so they so but i mean like that's that's the context they have you know yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, i feel i feel like so our classes are easier to pick for new yes. people because you can at least imagine the concept of of that thing yeah. whereas it's very difficult to be like okay so dwarves are like this elves are like this and then like 10 minutes later you're like and also you have triton and they can swim and but they're not like uh water ganassi who can also swim um and then you know you're you're there's a lot to kind of break down I, there i explained and... triton as aquaman Tri a triton is aquaman do you want to be aquaman they're basically yeah, yeah the aquaman <laughs> the atlanteans from yeah, yeah 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 um but yeah so it's but yeah i i don't i don't start to say about about classes and stuff like that i I do like, I think what I, what I remember, you know, the, did you ever see the, God, I'm, sorry, let me reset for a second here. Okay, done. Okay. <laughs> um, do you ever see that triangle thing of all the classes where it's like fighter is the top and that's like the, the most martial. Yeah. And then down the other corner you have rogue and that's the most skill based. And then the other corner you have wizard and that's the most magic based. And then everyone else fits in somewhere else on this triangle because it's always like, you know, that slider for like mm -hmm. a color wheel or whatever. It's always like a combination of of these other ones, you know? Yeah. Um, if ever you're trying to pick a color for something in a video game, it's usually like the, the main colors on top and then it's black here and white here. And you can slide and you can turn the circle around it to like customize your colors and stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like that. You need to be like, so like I, when I was trying to pitch it to the guys, I'm like, do you want to be like, a rogue was a hard one to pin down because like yes rogues are very sneaky, sneaky <laughs> but like yeah but the thing is then like there's a lot more to rogues than just being sneaky do you want to be sneaky and a thief sneaky and assassin do you want to be sneaky and hear the voices of dead in your head do you want to be sneaky and be a pirate <laughs> yeah yeah it was, it was, it was, oh swashbuckler uh so good um, it did. Yeah, it, it, it was a lot of stuff yeah. sorry swashbuckler's pretty damn good as someone who's dm'd one for quite some time now um but yeah, so it's it was hard to pitch because I could very easily be like, do you want to be like a knight who's like just a fighter? And I think the example I was giving there was like Aragorn or Jon Snow. Mm. You know, they're just fighters. They don't have magic or anything, but they do really, really well at swinging a sword or a weapon and using a shield and stuff like that. Okay. And then I was like, or do you want to be a wizard? Like, do you want to be like Gandalf? Or do you want to be like uh, Harry Potter or something like that? You know, someone who's going to be using a wand or a staff or whatever to cast spells. And then I was like, or do you want to be like a rogue? Do you want to be kind of like captain jack sparrow-esque and, and and you know stuff like that someone who's a bit clever kind of gets themselves out of tricky situations not by brute force and not by magic but by outsmarting someone maybe mm. or being quicker than someone else and kind of cunning and stuff like that yeah um yeah and then 
it, it's always interesting to find out what people pick. My friend, my friend Dermot was he he ended up playing uh, a a bow and arrow wielding wood elf Psy knight uh, or Psy warrior. He's saying Psy knight. Uh, that was the UA. Psy knight was the UA. Psy knight is a much better title. Psy knight is. Uh, but he was playing a, a wood elf uh, archer Psy warrior. So he was like shooting psychically psychically infused arrows at people. That's so cool. There's, but the thing um... is. When I was like, so what kind of stuff do you have in mind? The first thing he said to me is, oh, like maybe like a like a Witcher kind of thing or something. So immediately I was thinking, Blood okay. <laughs> well, I thought I thought Bloodhunter, but like Bloodhunter is maybe a little bit more than a new player. Bloodhunter, I feel it's a little bit more complicated. But I was like, maybe Ranger. Ranger is not as complicated, but still just as good now because they've made a lot of upgrades to it. Uh, and I was kind of saying maybe something like that where they have hunting abilities. And then he ended up leaning towards Fighter. Uh, and he built again he's like I want to be a witcher and I'm like cool let's build you a witcher and then he ended up with a wood elf psy warrior archer shooting like psychic force arrows and stuff like that and I'm like that's nothing like a uh, thing but it's a, definitely a cool character concept it's a very cool it reminds of um, in the Night Angel trilogy there's this um, there's not like not the main character's master who, who the main character trains to be uh, basically like a magic assassin under the yeah. best magic assassin in the city and one of his mates is a guy called Scarred Robble uh, and he's a guy who's he's called because he's very very good at imitating other people and he does something similar where um, the magician dad's called the talent and he manifests like ghostly arms with his talent so he and like his he specializes in longbows so he'll like be shooting a longbow to try and snipe someone and then like while he's drawing this arrow like ghost arms are pulling four more arrows out of the quiver and just holding them by his head for him and getting ready to load them yeah. and like as That's he like draws that back and lets go a ghost arm puts another arrow back into his hand and like there's a whole scene where he like nearly assassinates a god king because the guy's shield this guy's magic shields and reaction times aren't fast enough to deal with just this guy who's machine gunning arrows at him it's so That's cool. really cool it's so cool but yes uh, the fourth level bonus feat um, so this is where stuff starts to build on itself so, uh, for example, we've got in the first. Oh, sorry. Uh, oh no, that was sorry. That was the old way it went, wasn't it? Sorry, because you. Uh, I'm just doing a quick read read over. But yes. Uh, so at fourth level, you gain another bonus feed of your choice from either the first level list above. So you can, if you didn't take one, then, for example, like if you went with a non, uh, Korean background and took skilled, then when you hit four, you can now take tough if you want to, um. Or you can choose from these. So you've Adept of the Black Robes, Adept of the Red Robes, Adept of the White Robes, Alert from the Player's Handbook, Knight of the Crown, Rose and Sword, Mobile, Sentinel and Warcaster, all from the Player's Handbook. Now we'll, All solid. We, we, yeah, I was going to say, we'll get to the Crin stuff and explain what those do now and any changes um, mm -hmm. afterwards. But like, if purely looking at the Player's Handbook stuff, Alert, plus five to your initiative, can't be surprised. Uh, mobile uh, you hit someone yeah, can't, can't take opportunity attacks on you plus 10 feet of movement sentinel hit someone they can't get away hit someone on an opportunity attack they cannot get away from you uh, warcaster reactionary uh, cantrips as, a, as an opportunity attack and also advantage on concentration checks yes like all some of the best spells or some of the best cantrips or yeah. feats in the game though. like I have burned ASIs to get these <laughs> like they're really good yeah. um, but like the uh, we can go on to the crin ones now as well uh, so we've got basically, yeah, uh, black, red, and white robes and crown rose and sword, the same three that were in the previous one. Um, where are we going? Major high sorcery. Am I on the... Oh, sorry, yeah, so they're all there. Um, those are all the ones you can get 
they'll i think they'll they'll be explained as we get down through the mage and the knight now um but just briefly so the adept of the black robes um do you know what it's probably is better if we get into those after we do the next two because the next two sure. kind of explain the base so the knight of salamnia um which is the first part of it here um essentially as uh, same there's in terms of how it's described no real changes from the last time um skill proficiencies with the knight of salamnia where are we uh previously you've got athletic and survival um and now same thing uh two languages uh two languages they dropped uh, used to be yeah. one language they and dropped the musical instrument and they give yeah. you two languages instead now yeah that's it yeah two languages instead of, instead of the additional tool um and then the equipment i believe is the same as well it is indeed um yeah. and you also get the same feature the squire of solamnia previously um oh yeah feats there um square so the square of Salamnia, you gain the Squire of Salamnia feat presented later in this document. So what that is, is as the Squire, um, there is a prerequisite for these. So you need to be a fighter or paladin class or Knight of Salamnia background. So you can still get this even if you are not a Knight of Salamnia. You just need to be a marshal, like a marshal fighter paladin. Um, you're training in the ways a Knight of Salamnia grants you these benefits. Mount up, so mounting or dismounting costs you only five feet of movement, um, which I believe is... Same. Is that a, sorry, where are you reading the prerequisite from? Is that a solid prerequisite you need to have, or is it just a suggestion? Uh, directly under the Squire of Salamnia title on um, the revisited one there, it says prerequisite fighter or paladin class or knight of Salamnia background. Uh, I'm not seeing that. Like, directly but under I, the Squire? Knight like like, of Salamnia. Okay. Some of the background, right? Yeah, knight of Salamnia. Then scroll down till you see the, uh, the... Oh, sorry. So you need to go down to the feet uh squire of salamnia which is what i'm looking at oh my apologies so this is very exciting uh, podcasting folks <laughs> <laughs> correcting each other over a pdf um yeah. yes and yeah so you need prerequisite fighter paladin or knight of salamnia as your background mount up mounting or dismounting only costs you five feet of movement instead of which i believe it's half now if you mount or dismount it's normally half to mount or dismount something yeah so that's pretty solid um let me see here. yeah which is different so like uh you get uh squire maneuvers so you learn lunging it you can learn the lunging attack precision attack or pushing attack maneuver from battle master which is really good um yeah works out the same uh to determine your dc it's eight plus proficiency bonus plus strength or dex your choice which is awesome and when you finish oh this is really cool whenever you finish a long rest you can replace the maneuver you learned from this feat with another one from the list above so every time you sleep you can come out with a new um battle master move that's all. i honestly I, I kind of wish Battlemaster was the base um, mm. fighter, as in a part of the, the core class, and everyone got special moves they could do. Like maybe some of them are specific to the subclass you pick, yeah. but everyone got some Battlemaster maneuvers they could do. And then if you pick something, then that's like, if you pick, I don't know, the, the Psy Warrior, maybe they have specific, like, uh, yeah. psionic-related Battlemaster maneuvers. That build on your existing thing you know yeah uh, just because i think I, I feel like all all fighters should be able to disarm someone or push someone back and or yeah. or you know try to use menacing attack and make them afraid of you because you're just so ferocious and stuff but you know battle masters look great we all love battle master yeah battle master is awesome the longer the longer i play dnd the more convinced i am that everyone should be a battle master and battle master should just be like tip top yeah. above everyone else and they get additional stuff um but yeah so yeah so 
works out the same as um, the Battle Master Superiority Dice. You gain Superiority Dice equals your proficiency bonus. The dice are D6, and you can use them only with the maneuver you gain from this feat, and with any maneuvers you gain from feats that have this feat as a prerequisite. So if you take Martial Adept, you cannot use your pool from this okay to do i was gonna say that's interesting because I, I i was just about to flip my desk when they were like you have as many uh, uses of your superiority dice as you have proficiency bonus and i was gonna be like, cool martial, martial initiate is a terrible feat and i hate it um yeah. but yeah that's that, that's actually what that feat realistically should be mm-hmm. but I, it's interesting that they put that restriction in there to uh to mean you can only now that being said lunging attack precision attack pushing it's... attack they're solid. They're yeah. three solid ones with them. And you'll see as we go into the different knight, the different uh, character, the, the three different knight orders, um, what you were talking about where everyone gets maneuvers and then you get specific ones built on your subclass or whatever. That's what these are built out. It actually comes into comes into play with um, the knight. Yeah, um, that's cool. We'll have to go, we might have to go a wee bit faster because they are running out of time slightly. I, fo- focus on the on the, the, the martial ones for now. Yeah. Cool, we'll cool, see cool, what we do. cool. Um, we don't need to look at the trinkets and stuff. We'll just really focus on the crunch yeah, here. Yeah. So we'll just skip all the way down to the martial feats here instead, rather, because we kind of have explained what's going on now. Um, these are all the depths. Perfect. Right. So knight of the crown. This is the initial feat. Uh, this is the um, this is the feat you get at fourth level. Presume that because is fourth level and squire of Salamnia. Um, you gain a plus one to your strength or dex up to a maximum of twenty. Um, when you take the crown, you learn crown maneuvers. You learn the distracting strike or goading attack from the battle master subclass of the fighter in the player's handbook, which makes sense because from what I understand of the order of the crown, they're all about like um, protecting your allies and kind of working as a team to accomplish it, things. They would be the ones that would run into if a, if a monster was bearing down on a helpless citizen, they'd be the one to run in and go, "Hey, you big ugly thing, come over yeah. here and fight me!" And you you try to get them to attack you instead. Yeah, like. they're the one that jumps in front of the dragon's breath with the shield up to block. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, similarly, uh, DC equals eight plus proficiency plus strength and dex. Um, and then superiority dice. You gain two superiority dice, which you add to the dice you already have from Squire of Salamnia. And now the dice all scale up to D eight, which is so good. Like, and I you like two, just two additional on top of whatever your proficiency you, bonuses, you, right? Yeah. So you gain two more. So let's say if you're level thirteen, you now have six dice you can use, and all those dice are now D eight instead of D six. That's pretty good. Is, yeah. that, is that put you on par with? Um... But no, because Battle Master will scale all the way to D. I think D ten or D twelve by end of game. They start out as D sixes today. They, yeah, they, 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 I think they, no, they start out as eights. I'm pretty sure D eights. Oh, is it eights? Nice, nice. Yeah. And they, okay, yeah. Yeah, uh, Knight of the Sword. Uh, again, same prerequisites as the last one. A bit. Uh, you also get an ASI. This one is to do with your wisdom or your charisma up to a maximum of 20 and the sword maneuvers are you learn maneuvering attack menace or menacing maneuvering or menacing attack from the battle master subclass so this one their maneuvers focus more on like battlefield control and sort of moving people or in keeping certain people away um which is really cool yeah um so again superiority dice you gain two additional ones um and all your dice now scale to d8s um and then we have the knight of the rose uh the ASI for this one is tied to Constitution and Charisma, again, plus one to a maximum of 20. Uh, and then we have the Rose Maneuvers. Uh, you learn the Commander Strike or the Rally Maneuver from the Battlemaster subclass of the fight of the Fighter and Player's Handbook. Um, whenever you finish a long rest, you can replace this maneuver you learned from this feat with any other maneuver offered by... Is that in the other ones as well? Oh, it is, yeah. So all of them, Crown, Rose, and Sword, all of them, when you long rest, you can replace that 
whatever one you took with, today. With one of the two one, that they offer for each yeah. specific. Yeah, yeah. That you can basically swap it out to have a different one every day um, from that list, which is awesome. Um, oh, yeah. So sick. So, like, you get basically, you take the squire and you get, like, lunging attack, precision attack, or pushing attack. And then you go crown sword or rose and you can get distracting strike, goading attack for crown for sword you can get maneuvering attack or menacing attack and then for rose you can get where's rose commander striker rally thank you i couldn't find it for some reason on my page um commander striker rally and all of them so regardless what you take you're getting you're getting a plus one to your your main stat you're getting extra superiority dice you're getting extra maneuvers and you can now change out the maneuver you have from that specific one every time you sleep these are really, really fun, really powerful, really flavorful feats. I love that you get different battle master maneuvers based on what the yeah. specialty of your order is. Like uh, like with Crown, where they're about protecting others and serving the realm. And then like Rose are about being leaders and all that kind of stuff. And even the Squire one, where it's just your base feat, like your base level of the feat at level one. Like level one, you can have lunging attack, precision attack, or pushing attack. Like that's pretty yeah. solid. Like I, sorry, I'm just looking at like uh, if if you take if you took both of these and you were a battle master as well, mm. you can also vice... have membership in multiple knightly orders, as is called out by this. Um... Oh no, sorry, knights of Samir are only ever ever members of one of their organization's orders. In the course of their training, most knights begin as members of knights of the crown, and then they move to join the others. Whether a character follows this path or another, they retain what they learned as a member of an order, even if they join another. Characters can change what knightly order are part of, but always have access to any knight of Salamnia feats they've acquired. So if you want to, you can go crown, rose, sword as you level. And, and oh, you, and oh, you, so oh, and you oh, that's right, because you the can... skills you learn. Wait a sec, does that stack then? Yeah, like yeah, like so. You... So okay, so if I if I'm level one, I pick squire. I get to level four, and then I'm like, cool. I pick crown now, mm. and that means I now have. <clears throat> let's just say. Uh, I'll have my my two plus my proficiency, which is two. Mm -hmm. So I'll have four uses of that, and I'll have my squire maneuvers, and I'll have my one out of two crown maneuvers. Yeah. Then when I get to my next ASI, which is six, eight, for fighter, it's early. It's like it's like six, six I think. Um, I get to have another one from that, and do, then do I get another plus two on top of that again? So I'm gonna have. Two plus two plus my proficiency, in in terms of superiority dice. It says when they 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 retain what they learned as a member of an order, even if they join another order. So I think the way I drew because it's it's sort of unclear in here, but I think whenever a character follows a path, they retain what they learned as members. Uh, characters can change what nightly order they so they're part of, but I'd always have them, access. To... I'd let them hang on to like the maneuvers that they learn but i, w I wouldn't say that you, you wouldn't give them more superiority dice i'd know if you're if you're burning an asi for it i might but then like here's the thing yeah. and, and maybe maybe this is not the intent but this is the way it's kind of phrased in my mind on at the the second the, the third part of each of these feats yeah is a superiority that thing it says yeah. you gain two superiority dice which are added to the dice you have gained from Square the square of salamity feet in my mind the way that's written is if i pick all three of these feats i get two additional dice for yeah. each feat that... on top of whatever i have which is my proficiency bonus for being a squire yeah so by the time i hit level 20 okay 
Okay, yeah, let's, let's, also, let's, break, let's break this. You're leaving out as well that because each of them also has a stat increase tied to it, um, you can get six additional superiority die, six additional maneuvers, and three additional stat points. Like, okay, I'm going to break this, okay? Okay. We do a full 1 to 20 fighter. All right. Battlemaster. We have six maneuvers at 15th level. Mm. So I six superiority dice, yeah. which uh, scale up By then, to... I think they're D10. I think they cap out of D10s, if I'm not mistaken. All right? Yeah. Then how many maneuvers do I know? I know three maneuvers at first, and then I learn two additional maneuvers of my choice at 7, 10, and 15. So I know six and three i know nine maneuvers mm. and i have uh i have six dice then i have a squire feat which gives me six dice at that le at 20th level and then i pick each of these i get six more so that's 12 mm. plus nine so I've, I've 12 dice that are d8 dice yeah and then i have nine dice that are d10s yeah and then i know how many feats or how many maneuvers did i say i get uh two two and two no six. sorry i have six six and six twelve and six i have twelve sorry i'm confusing myself i have 12 d8 dice which i mm. get from my feats and then i have six d10 dice that i get from being a battle master on top of nine maneuvers known as a battle master yeah and how many do I get as the Squire one? Uh, you get six from Squire, and then if you do the three orders, you get an additional six. So that's another 12. Oh, well, you get sorry, four three. in total, because you, you learn one. Yeah. You can only have one learned yeah, per, sorry, per feet uh, out of the selection. So I'm going to have at least four more on top of the nine that I know, which is 13 maneuvers <laughs> and potentially 18 dice superiority teams. dice that I could choose from. And action surge and four attacks around. An action surge, eight attacks around. Yeah. Because if you action surge a 20 level fighter, you're attacking eight times in that round. And by a 20 then... level fighter, you can action surge twice. Yes. And on top of that, if you pick, like, just for the laugh, you pick the, even though it's terrible, the martial adept feat. Yeah. Uh, where, where you get two two more maneuvers. And I think, one dice. And then one more dice. Yeah. Uh, that would be an insanely cool build. But see, the problem, and we're kind of going off topic a little bit, but the problem with that is not all the battle master moves are good. Uh, no, but like some of them are situational, but when you're, here's the thing, right? Yeah. If you if you want a Swiss army, if you if you have have a, cho a choice of carrying a tool, right? Mm -hmm. And they're like, hmm, I, 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 I'm, ne I'm probably never going to use a cork opener, but it'd be nice to have one, but I'm going to opt for the knife. Yeah. Well, what if you have a knife and a saw and a toothpick and whatever, and a million other things, at a certain point, having the corkscrew is just handy to have there because I already have a Swiss yeah. Army knife with everything else on it. You can open I might a bottle of wine with a shoe thing. anyway. Like. Can you open a bottle of wine with a shoe? I've seen it. <laughs> you put the bottle of wine into the soda. It's not important. I'll tell you after the podcast. I feel like our viewers want to know, Martin. Okay, so you put the bottle of wine into the heel of the shoe. It needs to be a shoe with a big heel. And then you tie the laces tight around the shoe. And then you literally batter the shoe off a wall until the cork gets forced out by the internal pressure. So what, as you kind of bang it off the wall, the cork just like slips up Yeah, further. hang on. I have a shoe nearby. Like, you literally put the bottle of wine in here, into the top okay. of the shoe, tie the with shoe the nozzle up, out, and you go... <laughs> <laughs> 
bang, bang. Oh, I just hit myself in the face with shoelaces. You just go, <laughs> you just literally go, bang, bang, bang with the bottle with the bottle of wine, and and, and, and the, the cork, cork just kind of kind of gradually pops out. I've seen it. <laughs> anyway, well, something you didn't think you'd learn today, folks. And that was a feat, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but yes we can quickly go through the uh, mage one because I do want to actually cap, cap off all these um, so real real quick um, the base feat for the mage is the initiative high sorcerer initiative high sorcerer do you have that to hand do you want to run through it and I'll do the adept ones uh, yes so choose one of the three moons of Kryn the infantry magic uh, black moon uh, Nutari uh, the red moon Lunatari and the white moon Solinari mm-hmm. uh, you learn one counter of your choice from the wizard spell list and two first level spells on the moon you choose as specified in the lunar spells table we'll get that in a second mm-hmm. um, you can cast each of the chosen spells without expending a spell slot you must finish a long rest before you can do so again uh, you can cast the spells using other spell slots you have we've seen that before mm-hmm. uh, your spell casting ability uh, is your choice of wisdom charisma or intelligence you choose when you choose this feat for Nutari, we have uh, Dissonant Whispers, False Life, Hex, and Ray of Sickness. Again, very Warlock kind of based. Lunatari is uh, Color Spray, Disguise Self, Feather Fall, and Longstrider. And Solinari is uh, Comprehend Languages, Detect Good and Evil, Protection from Good and Evil, and Shield. They are super useful. Like, just getting Shield from my background? Okay, yeah. Definitely. Shield, shield is just absolutely... It's so, such, such, uh, such a good spell. It's why I give two of the bosses in this arc shield as a thing. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so the defeats then that come with that, we've got Adept of the Black Robes requires you to have uh, Initiative High Sorcery. Uh, you choose New Atari as your influence for your magic. Uh, ambitious Magic, you learn one second level spell of your choice. The second level spell must be from Enchantment or Necromancy. Uh, you can cast this feat second level spell without a spell slot, and then you must finish a long rest before you can do this in this way again. But, importantly, you can also cast this spell using spell slots you have of the appropriate level. The spell's spell casting ability is the one chosen when you gain the initiate of High Sorcery feat. Um, that was the Black Robes, right? It's the Black Robes, correct. And then you have Life Channel, you can channel, your, which is really cool. Uh, you can channel your life force into the power of your magic. When a creature you can see within 60 feet fails a saving throw against a spell that deals damage that you cast, you can expend a number of hit die equal to the level of the spell. So if you do a fifth level lightning bolt, you can expend an additional five hit, five die, hit die onto the lightning bolt. Um, uh, the damage, sorry, uh, uh, you can expend, expend a number of hit dice equal to the level of the spell, roll the expended hit dice and add them together. That damage, the damage the creature takes then increases by amount equal, an amount equal to that total. So you can basically, yeah, it's just another way to use your hit die, which a lot of the yeah. time, unless you're taking a lot of short rests, don't really get used that often. So like, you can take the chance here where, yeah, I might not be able to heal up on a short rest, but I can really hurt this thing, this one thing, I can really hurt it. This gives me some like blood magic vibes where yes. you're like you're you're shedding your own blood to like invigorate your own magic. Yes. Um it's very cool. Just just in the interest of time, when it comes to the red robes and the white robes, mm-hmm. they have the same um they so the ambitious magic fe- feature is the insightful magic when it comes to the red robes. Yeah. Instead of necromancy and enchantment, it is illusion and transmutation, but it functions very much the same. Very nice. And then when it comes to the white robes, it is abjuration and divination. And again, functions very much the same. And then they have their own secondary features as well. Um, red robes 
is uh, when you make an attack roll on an ability check and roll a 9 or lower on a d20, you can balance fate and treat it as a 10. Uh, you can balance fate in this way a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus and you regain all expended uses when you finish a long rest. That's basically uh, reliable a, a reliable talent from a rogue, yeah. yeah, which is pretty cool. It's That's really good to have on a spellcaster. Um, and then uh, the special one, the, uh, the one for the white robes, is um, Protective Ward. When you are a creature, you can see within 30 feet if you take damage, you can use your reaction to expend a spell slot and weave protective magic around the target. Roll a number of d6s equal to the level of the spell slot expended and reduce the damage the target takes by the total rolled on those dice. Plus, your spellcasting ability modifier. Again, very unique, very cool. Um, lots of really, really good... Like, you could stop someone... That you can use this on a disintegrate and literally save someone's life. Yeah, I do. I really like that last one because, like, um, you could be playing a cleric of the white robes, mm -hmm. and not only can you heal people, you can block them before they even take the damage as well. So, uh, and clerics are like clerics are really really good casters, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, so like you can do quite a lot with that. Um, I do. I I like I like those having the additional spells is always fun yeah. from the the ambitious uh insightful and protective abilities yeah but um the protective ward life channel and magical balance things are really really fun abilities yeah um, it's very flavorful and very like unique to the specialty again similarly to the the rose crown and sword maneuvers all very much flavored and tied to the things that that particular order is interested in actually quite similar to the strixhaven stuff like prismarily and um, Witherbloom and all that where they specialize in specific kinds of magic because of, um, oh, this, this is I mean I think we mentioned it last time we talked about it, but this is very very heavily inspired by the same mechanical makeup of all the Strixhaven stuff oh 100% 110% yeah yeah uh, but Martin yes Connor that's all the time we have for today alrighty and that was uh, uh, we definitely got sidetracked a lot um, but hey you learned how to open a bottle of wine with a shoe and you're welcome I mean, if that isn't worth a, a thumbs up on on this video, I don't know what is. If that isn't truly the magic of D anD D, someday yeah. someone is going to be at a someone is going to listen to this before they go to a house party, and they're going to arrive at that house party, and someone will have a bottle of wine, and, and no cork, no, no, no corkscrew, and yeah. someone will be like, "Oh no, I forgot my corkscrew," and then you can go, "Aha!" And you'll open that bottle of wine, and everyone will be like, "That's fantastic! Where did you learn to do that?" And you'll just be like. Mike Flares. Every Friday, 6pm Irish time. <laughs> <laughs> Connor, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, people can find me on the internet at zero point Connor, Z-E-R-O-P-O-I-N-T-C-O-N-O-R, one N, very important. Um, and you can also find me every Friday here on the Mike Flares podcast at 6pm Irish time on YouTube, Spotify, Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts and Radio Republic. Hey. Martin, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, mostly you can find me on Twitter for my uh, for my sins uh, at so sorry it's over um, you can also find me on the Mike Flares podcast Twitter account at Mike Flares pod quite a lot I, I, I'm on that particularly if you see any like strange or meme tweets usually about 3am Irish time like my infamous awesome. tweet my infamous tweet about um, Boblin the Hab the, no Boblin the Mob Goblin Hob Goblin <laughs> yeah sorry it's a good tweet I swear um, but yes, those are where you can mainly find me on the internet, aside from our regular appearances every Friday at 6pm, as we said, Irish time, on a new episode of the Mike Flares podcast. So it'll be a goodbye from me and a goodbye from Connor, and we will see you next week for another brand new episode. Bye-bye. Bonjour.